This is Right from the Deep. I'm Karen Ball. And I'm Aaron Taylor Young. And this is the podcast from writers for writers, answering the question, why am I doing this? <laughs> As writers, editors, and a former literary agent, we're in the deep with you. Bringing interviews, inspiration, and information to encourage, refresh, and equip you to embrace the deep, to find your truest story, your truest message in the deep places. You can get the episode show notes, lots more information and encouragement, and your free audio download, Five Crucial Ways to Safeguard Your Writer's Heart, at writefromthedeep.com. Hey, everybody. Are you wondering what's going on in the world of Right from the Deep? Well, let me fill you in. A number of people have been asking me for an update on my health, so I'll just let you know that the breathing and the lung disease and all that, I'm still dealing with it, but it's better. Um, I'm not using oxygen near as much, and the doctor, my pulmonologist, has cut back on the steroid that I take by mouth, but unfortunately, he gave me an inhaled steroid to take <laughs> to beat things up, so I'm still dealing with the side effects of all that. You know, it's that if, if it doesn't kill you, it'll cure you kind of thing. So <laughs> anyway, one of the benefits of having memory and brain issues because of steroid use is, is you know, lamentations comes to life. God's mercies are new every day because I can't remember them from yesterday. So there you go. There's an update on my health. Well, we also want to say thank you so much to all our patrons on Patreon. You guys make a huge difference for us and we're so thankful. And thank you so much to our November sponsor of the month, Priscilla Shero. She's Yay, working on, Priscilla. yes, thank you, Priscilla. She is working on a memoir and Karen, I know she can relate to the memory issues because her memoir <laughs> is called Bonked, Life, Love, and Laughter with Traumatic Brain Injury. And that's going to be published yep. by Redemption Press. And you can find out more about Priscilla and the blog that she writes for the TBI PTSD community at her website, PriscillaShero.com. It's P-R-I-S-C-I-L-L-A-S-H-A-R-R-O-W.com. Check it out. And now, here's the show! Hello, listeners. Welcome to The Deep. We're so excited to have you here with us. And I'm doubly excited because we have a guest and I love it when we Yay! have guests. We have Lynn H. Blackburn with us and Karen is going to introduce her. Lynn, welcome to Write from the Deep. And Lynn is one of those amazing women. She started writing in 2009 and her first book, Covert Justice, was published by Love Inspired Suspense in 2015. She believes in the power of stories, especially those that remind us that true love exists and that it's a gift from the truest love. But she's got this whole other life, like so many of us do, aside from writing. And we want to talk a lot about what goes on in her life when she's not writing, because that impacts her writing. Um, Lynn, Welcome again. And you mentioned on your website that your daughter, Emma, has called, and I know I'm going to say this wrong, Rubenstein Taby syndrome. You got Is it right. That <laughs> That's right. I'm so smart. You mentioned that for years you considered yourself to be a therapy mom, and now having a child with a disability just rocked your world. But God was both patient and faithful as you wrestled with your new reality. And you said that being Emma's mom has changed you in ways you never could have imagined. And many things God has taught you about himself find their way into your books. So can you flesh that out a little for us? What exactly is the syndrome? How were you changed? What rocked your world? And what did God teach you about <laughs> himself come on share and it'll it's be really two hours later in two minutes no <laughs> well it's true so it is it's rubenstein Tavy syndrome it's it's not particularly uh common 
It's named after the two doctors who described it in the late 60s, Drs. Rubenstein and Taby. And it is a syndrome with, uh, it's not really a blood test kind of thing. It's something that's generally more uh, discovered by the doctors. It's a clinical observation kind of thing. And uh, two main physical factors are, believe it or not, broad toes and broad thumbs. Her thumbs and her big toes are broad. And it was originally called something like broad toe, broad thumb, halux, or something (laughs) like that. And uh, the the gist of it for for most is that it's uh, cognitive delays, general developmental delays. Uh, Emma is 16, almost 17. She weighs about 75 pounds. Mm -hmm. Uh, She's about 4'7", 4'8", and she probably won't get much bigger than that. She's in a self-contained special ed classroom, and we have been very blessed with wonderful teachers and wonderful people in our world. But, you know, you you have a baby who you're expecting to be healthy. There was this isn't something that comes up on an ultrasound. Right. This is something that you you have a baby and all of a sudden you're in the NICU and uh, they're throwing out terms and things. And it's a whole new world and you're plunged into it immediately. And I. I grew up in the church. My father was a pastor. I, I got saved at a very young age, and I thought my faith was mine. And, and it was. You know, I had gone through plenty of, you know, just growing up. But having something like that, and it was the first time that I really wrestled with God's sovereignty hmm. and who he is. And, you know, I did everything right. And that sounds very conceited, and I don't mean it that way, but I was a good girl. You know, I mean, I was not— I don't have this big rebellion story or any of that kind of stuff. I did everything I was supposed to do. You know, I graduated at the top of my class and I went to Clemson and I got a degree, go Tigers. And I, you know, got married and I had, I worked for several years and we were involved in our church and I did all the right things. And I did not think I deserved this. And it, it just, and I didn't think she deserved, you know, so much there and, God was so gracious to me. I think I was angry for months and I didn't even realize it. And when he pulled me back to himself, it wasn't like, how dare you? It was, honey, I know this hurts. I know it hurts. And I want to help you carry it. And I have reasons. And he just revealed so much of himself to me. And he still does. And there are days when I struggle with the fact that we're not communicating. <laughs> Emma didn't really speak at all until she was a little over three. And even now we don't have conversations. Uh, she can communicate her needs hmm. if she's hungry or thirsty, that kind of thing. But it, it's not like we're having a conversation about how her day was. Um, and I have to spend a lot of time just trusting God to show me and to reveal to me what she needs. And wow. it's a constant dependence hmm. on him for everything, for her, for me, for, for all of it. And I, through the whole thing, I've just found him to be so faithful and so loving that even when the, these hard things come, there's purpose, there's meaning, he has plan. And, and even that sense that when we get mad and, and kind of throw a, a temper tantrum about this thing that God has allowed, He's not sitting there going, I don't know why you feel that way. <laughs> he's like, of course, why? Uh, I can imagine, you know, he, he's a loving father and he knows what we're going through. Right. And he's not, he's not up there just like 
well, you should just trust me. Yeah, of course we need to trust him, but he's so much more compassionate about the whole process. Hmm. And if we would just take it to him, all of it, the ugly, the pretty, you know, I pray so much more. My prayers are so much more raw. I don't even, why hide it? He already knows what I'm thinking. So there's no point in putting a pretty spiritual terminology on it. It just, you know, David was not pretty in his prayers. His laments are, you know, Lord, can we just kill them all? (laughs) The man's not nice in his prayers. And God called him a man after his own heart. And so I I just, and I do, I think my other, I have two boys um, that are 11 and 8. And sometimes I think they're so lucky that God gave me Emma first (laughs) because there's so many things, you know, as a first time parent or before you have kids where you're like, oh, my kids will never do that. And they do. And they do all of it and you get over it. But even things like developmental milestones, you know, as my kids, boys started, I'd be like, look, do you see what they just did? They didn't need any therapy for that. They did it all (laughs) on their own. Isn't that amazing? And it just. I'm much more grateful for all of it. And I also have them. I, I may have some control issues, <laughs> that, you know, that God is you know, one of the best pieces of advice that a d- developmental a geneticist gave to me when I was asking her about Emma. And I said, what, what do I expect? What will I, what, what will she be able to do when she's five or 10 or 15? And she looked at me and it was not the advice I wanted but it was the advice I needed. She said, you will know what she can do when she's five, when she's five. And you will know what she can do when she's 10, when she's 10. And you can make yourself crazy between now and then trying to figure it out, second guess it and wonder, or you can take it as it comes. Hmm. And there's such an open-handed thing going on there. You know, you just have to hold it open and say, okay, we'll take it as it comes. And there are things that she does now that I wouldn't have known she could do. And there are also things that if I'd known I was still going to be dealing with when she was 16, Mm. (laughs) when she was two, I wouldn't have thought I could handle it. And so God knows what we get, what we can handle and we learn, we grow together. Mm. And I am a much better person and mother because of her and because of being her mom. And my walk with, with God is just, it's, so much deeper than it ever was because mm. there is so much more dependence and reliance just for every day. Yeah. Aaron and I were talking this morning as we were getting ready for this podcast. We meet together and, and uh, read streams in the desert as our devotional and pray together. And we were both bemoaning some of the issues that we've been dealing with. And we were saying how easy it is to get your eyes focused on the temporal, to be caught in your reality in this world and not have eyes focused on eternity. And so you, your emotions then can often take a nosedive. And I was saying, you know, today was not a great day for me emotionally. I was frustrated. I was angry about things on the physical realm. And uh, she said, well, but you know, and she was giving me encouragement. And I said, I, I know all that, but right now I'm ticked. <laughs> and, and I think I need to acknowledge those emotions and then I can hand them over to God. I think one of the mistakes that too many 
many of us make in our faith walk and even in our, our journey as writers is we don't acknowledge the emotional impact or something. We feel like you said, like we need to be spiritual. And so we just kind of stuff it away. And that's when those things start to fester inside and, and eat away at our, our trust in and our devotion to God because we start to convince ourselves because of circumstances and emotions, we start to convince ourselves of reality that God's reality. So I really like uh, what you're saying and how it, it made you realize that you thought your faith was strong, but then it became even stronger, that, <laughs> that as much a foundation as your childhood and everything gave you, um, you went into a much deeper place with God because of where you were. Yes, very much so. Let's let's swing around too to some of the practical aspects here, though, because she now your daughter is presenting some challenges to your work time, right? You know, <laughs> we were talking beforehand, and you had mentioned this this change in her schooling. Now, talk a little bit about how you're handling the practical aspects when something comes up that you didn't expect. Well, I think it's. <laughs> I always tell people. Just because you know, you think you figured something out, then it changes, and that's that's pretty much where I am too. We we've had her in schools that have been nearby since she was three, and now we've just this mm-hmm. year she started high school and she's twenty five minutes away, and so and the bus there's no bus, and so where before I you know she popped on the bus and she, the bus brought her back home, and that's how things went. Now I'm spending close to two hours a day in the car. And, you know, I didn't really, when God, when this came up, God and I had several conversations (laughs) about the fact that I I was already operating with little to no margin. And now I have two hours a day of the car. And uh, how am I supposed to do that? And it is, it is amazing to me how God knows. And I don't know why it's amazing. It's like, it should be a shock. And yet every time I'm just blown away by it all, uh, I, it was in between book series, and when my new contract was set up, we set the new series to release once a year. And at the time, I was like, I don't know. I mean, once a year, I don't know if readers will be happy about that. <laughs> and I, I just, but at the same time, I thought there was something. And of course, the something I know now was definitely the Holy Spirit. But I, yeah. I just felt like I needed to be okay with that. And this was back in February of this year, uh, that I needed to be okay with this schedule. And at the time, we did not know that this would be the high school she would be in. We did not know any of this would happen. Hmm. So God knew I'm going to need more time to write these books, even when I didn't know. And I, I find myself having to come back again and again to the fact that he has called me to it. And he has also called me to be Emma's mom. And right. he has also given me everything I need to fulfill the calling on my life. And right. if I don't think I have enough time, then it's really convenient that I serve the God who exists outside of time. Right. <laughs> right. And <laughs> he created time and he doesn't operate in the same sphere that we operate in. And he's in control of that. And I have been amazed even over the last few months. And it's still very new to us. My husband and I, every week, we're like, who's taking her? What are we doing? How, you know, trying to figure it out. It's a a little bit of an adventure all the time. (laughs) And yet it's so clear how God is giving me time 
that I otherwise wouldn't have had. Sometimes, just like today, my mother-in-law took my boys and they're off to Columbia to visit with family. And now I have a weekend with, I'm down to one child. And I thought I would have all three. And it's things like that where I can see his hand in it. And I can mm-hmm. see him, if I'm paying attention, I can right. see him giving me time that I need to do what he's asked me to do. Mm-hmm. And it and it does require a lot of trust. I keep thinking it's going to get easier, <laughs> and, and I think it's that constant dependence on him, and that it pulls us back into knowing that we can't do it without him, right. and not getting too big for our britches and not thinking, oh, we figured this out. No, we no, we need him for every bit of it, and and so that's where that's where I am, and and. I know that will change too. Emma has five more years of school and then she ages out of the school system. And you want to talk about something I don't even want to think about. It's <laughs> life without school at all. I don't even know what that looks like. Yeah. And so I just have to trust that I will know what she can do when she's 21, when she's 21. And I will yeah. know, and I know that God loves me and I actually know he loves her even more than I do. And so he's going to make both of our paths clear as we get there. Hmm. You might need to remind me of that in a week. I mean, you know, <laughs> I don't well, claim you just that contact I we'll, we'll send you a little <laughs> note that says, okay, <laughs> hey, listen to this again. Well, I, mean, I don't breath. claim that I live there all the time, but I know yeah, it in my head yeah. and yep. it's so good to remind me. Yeah. Yep. That's the beauty of it. Well, one of the one of the things that I also wanted to talk to you about is you're a suspense writer, and yet you know we've had this conversation, this email conversation about fear, <laughs> which, which I love the irony there. <laughs> but, but one of the um, things that you said was you said I constantly question if I have anything of value to say. I have to fight to believe I have a voice. And I know there are so many writers out there who would say that same, same thing. So tell us, how are you handling that? How are you fighting that fight? And, and what are you doing about it? Well, it is. It's, it's so true. And I do think other writers deal with this. I think we all do. There's, you know, sometimes you read a book or you listen to you know, someone in a, a conference or someone who gives a talk and you think, well, I don't, why does anything I say even matter? They, we've got them, you know, we've got, in my case, I write romantic suspense. I mean, really, it's, every, come on, Irene Hannah and Lynette, and Daddy, I mean, I could just go on and on, Patricia, I mean, there's, just, there's so many, what do I have to add to this conversation? And the thing that I'm constantly having to remind myself of is that it's that two things. One, it's not my call. God called me to this. So if he thinks I have something to say, who am I to question that? Uh, this is, there's, there's no, I know it in my head. I don't always feel it. That there are people that I can reach that others can't for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. And God knows what he's done in my life and how that's going to come out in the story. And it's never going to look the same. You know, I could give the story idea to somebody else. They wouldn't write it the same way I would. Right. And, and I also have to go back to that, to the idea that it's, you know, he's the one who left the 99 to go find the one. Mm. And if he, if I have something that he wants me to say, it might only impact one other person. Right. But he's the kind of God that does that. And so am I willing to serve him 
the what? Is my audience truly just him? Am I writing just for him? And if I'm really writing for him, then I need to write what he gives me to write and then trust him with everything that comes from there. Who it goes to, where it goes, how it goes, how many books are sold. All of those things are not, yes, I need to do my part. You know, I do my social media and my marketing and publicity. I do all those things. And yet, ultimately, it's in his hands. Right. And and I, I I remind myself I have a I have verses stuck all over my desk <laughs> about fear and um, I I have things in my notes of where the, the verses where Jesus called Peter out on the water and then the verses where they were on the boat and he had told them to go to the other side and then the storm came and he's asleep in the boat and they're so afraid and they come to him and they say why you know do you not care that we're <laughs> perishing <laughs> like we're dying here and of course i, I love the disciples because you know i do that i get up i'm like god i'm dying here and he's like why are you afraid why you know so little faith and i find comfort in the fact that the disciples were the same way right. and yet and yet and he rebuked them he did he said why you know so little faith and god had taken such little things he had taken I think it was right before that he had fed the 5,000 exactly. and he had taken, he had taken this little lunch and fed 5,000. So my little voice, whatever I have to say, who am I to say what God's going to do with that? And my ultimate responsibility is just to sacrifice it to him and let him do what he wants with it. But I have to stay in scripture. I am constantly writing verses out, writing them longhand, typing them, sticking them on walls and notes and mirrors, because I just can't, I can't be reminded enough mm-hmm. of that truth that ultimately my fear is based on my own weakness. And he has given me a spirit of fear. He's right. given me a spirit of power and love and a sound mind. And that's where I need to operate from. I have a quote that's I've had tapped on taped onto my desk forever and it says live by following your faith no matter how weak it is rather than your doubts no matter how strong they may be oh i like that <laughs> oh, oh i like that a lot <laughs> so it's good. i have to constantly remind myself of that just because my my doubts are strong it doesn't mean they're right it That's just true. means that they're emotions and you can't measure reality you can't measure anything with your emotions that's I like so too true. that That's that good. one of the things you were saying to us is your favorite thing right now is that you just keep circling back to Isaiah forty one thirteen, for I the Lord your God hold your right hand. It is I who say to you, fear not. I am the one who helps you. And you say that you really clung to that verse while you were writing your second book. Um, you thought of God holding your hand um, because there was a lot of intense spiritual warfare. So tell us about that. Yeah, interestingly enough this podcast my, my second book in the series was called in too deep mm-hmm. and uh it's kind of appropriate for y'all and <laughs> it does it uh it it gets into human trafficking uh-huh. and i i think anytime we talk about slavery any kind of slavery spiritual slavery human slavery satan's gonna fight that because right. he is all about slavery where right. god has set us free we are we are free and yet Satan wants to keep us bound in something. And I, of course, didn't even realize, it took me a while to even realize how much spiritual warfare was going on in the first place. I just mm-hmm. was like, oh, duh. Of course, that <laughs> might be what's happening here. And, 
I, sometimes I'm like, I, I do sometimes wonder if God's just sitting there shaking his head going, sweetie, <laughs> really? But, um, but it is, and it, that verse, he just keeps showing me things about that verse because it's such, it's one of those fear not verses, which I, I read a lot of the fear right. not verses and they're all over the Bible. And then this one, we talks about holding your hand and initially when I thought about it, I thought, you know, the way we hold a child's hand, they're running across the parking lot or something. We don't want them to get hit. So we hold their hand, you know, and then, you know, we're, maybe we're helping them when they're little, you know, a little toddler helping them walk or something like that. And then later I got, and it was, it's just an image and I can picture it in my mind specifically related for writers. And when I, I have children that I teach, I'm, I'm homeschooled my boys and and when you're first teaching a child how to write, you'll hover behind them. You know, you'll come behind them and you'll put your arms around them and you'll wrap their hand in yours mm-hmm. and you'll help them form the letters. Wow. And you're you're holding their hand and you are helping them write. And I just have that image now when I sit down at my computer and I think, okay, God, I want to do this with you. I need it, I need you to help me do this. And it, whether you're writing longhand or sitting in the computer, and I just have this image of God literally hovering and helping me write. <laughs> and I know that that is, you could take that same verse and apply it to a whole lot of things. But for those of us who write, I think that image is so, it's just such a powerful thing because it's not just about him giving us the ideas. It's him holding us, holding our hand as we put the letters on the page or type them onto the screen. And I, I just, I just keep staying there. And sometimes when I am most afraid, I get that I am the one who helps you. Right. And let that image flood my mind and then get back to work. You know, I love it. It's I, you know, fear not. I am the one, yes. you know, it's like, yes. it's God, you know, that wouldn't work at all if it were like somebody you didn't trust or didn't care. You know, Lynn, what I love about what you're saying so much is that you're fighting this, you're fighting through fear with trust in Scripture. You're fighting with Scripture. You're fighting with truth. Truth is the only thing we have, and the most powerful thing that we have, God's Word, is truth, and God is the Word. So it's, it's everything right there together, and it's like, what we need is to trust in God, which is the antidote to fear. And so we trust yes. in the word. So I'm just, I'm going to picture you forever now. Whenever I see your books, I'm going to picture these <laughs> scripture verses like surrounding you as you write, because I, I wish we would all do that. I wish we had them all over our walls, like it says in Deuteronomy, you know, write them on your walls yes. and the door frames of yes. your houses. Well, some of us do. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> But you know what? It's I, I don't say that to say, yeah, we're so great, but but I have them all over to remind me because, you know, I have short term memory <laughs> issues, but to remind me of God's goodness in the face of when I look at today's seeming reality to remember that from God's perspective, it's not reality at all. So yes. thank you so much, Lynn. This has been so much fun. Why yeah. can't I? I just think you've shared so much that's valuable and beneficial to our listeners. And I 
Actually, um, for those of you who are listening, I really want you to focus on picturing yourself with God standing behind you and his arms around you and his hands on your hands as you're writing, because that's that's the reality. The reality is if God has given you this task, he will equip you and he will fulfill what he seeks to do with your writing. He will fulfill his purposes for your writing. And that's a beautiful image. So thank you, Lynn. That's, that's wonderful. And um, if you want to find out more about Lynn, you can go to her website at lynnblackburn.com and we'll have links on the show notes right. so we'll you have guys, links on the show you notes. guys can... <laughs> remember that that short-term memory thing <laughs> <laughs> so yes thank you very much for being with us today lynn yep. thank you so much for having me i so enjoyed it thank yeah. you take care Hey guys, thanks for joining us today. We hope you found it helpful. And if you know someone else who needs this podcast, please share it. You can find backlist episodes and lots more resources at our website, rightfromthedeep.com. Yep, we'd love to connect with you guys there. So, until next time, embrace the deep. Your writing and your life will never be the same. Amen. Amen. Amen.